1: Well, good afternoon. How are you? And wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us today. Tuesday, February 28th, the year 2023. Beautiful spring-like Chamber of Commerce Day. And we're here for the next two hours as we are each and every day, Monday through Friday. Our boss is retired. And how did he spend his first day? Uh, On the golf course as Chuck Wood got his ninth hole in one of his career at farm the to alley today way to go chuck way to start off retirement that is that's freaking awesome that's awesome we're a long way from retirement myself and my producer james mesh who's just getting his career started he's in the producer's chair spinning the tunes pushing all the buttons He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Our phone number, the game hotline, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn on your television set because we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry.
0: The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines.
1: Well, Paolo Banchero capped a 29-point performance with three clutch mid-range jumpers in the closing minutes, and the Orlando Magic defeated the New Orleans Pelicans 101 to 93 last night. Pelicans are a bad road team. Now they've shown that they can't win at home. They're now 30 and 32, going in the opposite direction. They've lost four in a row. They now hold 10th place by themselves as they are now half a game behind the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they are a 100th of a percentage point ahead of the Portland Trailblazers. It's not good news around the league, but it might be good news for the Pels in that another team pursuing them, the Los Angeles Lakers, have lost LeBron James to an ankle injury. He's out and will be reevaluated in two weeks. But the Pels are certainly heading in the opposite direction, and it's a, it's a bad, bad thing. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rice will join us in about 10 minutes, and we'll discuss um, what's going on here. Seems to me they need a big old, stiff old kick in the rear end, but Willie Green seems to be too nice of a guy. Now, he's a nice guy that took a team that was Terrible a year ago, and with that same attitude, got them into the play-in games. But this year, they are just reeling at the absolute worst time. They can't get off to a good start. They can't shoot the ball well at all. Their three-point field goal percentage is abysmal. Um, And then they're just not going in the right direction at all in any way, shape, or form. Um, According to those on the inside, LSU is promoting senior defensive analyst John Jancic to special teams coordinator and outside linebackers coach. Jancic has been a defensive coordinator at Georgia and Tennessee. He joined Brian Kelly's staff last year as an analyst on three sports. First reported Jancic was being moved into an on-field coaching role. According to sources, Jancic will work with the Jack linebackers and oversee special teams. Now, LSU will use analysts to help spread out the coaching of special teams. I don't know Coach Jancic from a man in the moon. So uh, all I know is there's been an opening for special teams coordinator after LSU moved Brian Polian into an off-field, quote, general manager role. Polian was the special teams and recruiting coordinator for one season. So... Frank Wilson takes over as recruiting coordinator. And Jack Jancic takes over as special teams coordinator and Jack linebacker coach. So stay tuned for uh, more on that one. <clears throat> After winning three or four baseball games last week, LSU six and one overall remains number one. In all the weekly polls, other SEC teams in the D1Baseball.com top twenty-five include number three Tennessee, four Ole Miss, six Florida, seven Vanderbilt, eight Arkansas, fifteen Texas A&M, and number twenty Alabama. Tonight, the Tigers take on the Texas Longhorns, who aren't ranked in the polls. Um, they are three and four this season. Two of those four losses have been to number seven Vanderbilt and to number eight. Arkansas. So the Tigers at 6 and 1 will get a preview of the Tigers and the Longhorns from Jeff Howe who covers Texas baseball and basketball for the Athletic. That's coming up around 2:30 uh this afternoon. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um Other NBA news, Kevin Durant is going to debut for the Suns on Wednesday versus the Charlotte Hornets. The, the Atlanta Falcons released Banks' quarterback Marcus Mariota in a cap move. We'll talk all things NFL with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report coming up um, in hour number two. NCAA panel eyes shorter football games talking about as they meet in Indianapolis. Uh, to consider three rules changes that could shorten game times and reduce the number of plays during games next season. It's a continued push to monitor player safety as the sport prepares for a 12-team college football playoff beginning in 2024. We talked about it a little bit, but the rule changes under consideration include running the clock after a first down is awarded. I'm all for it, except in the last two minutes of either half. Cool. Eliminating the option for teams to call consecutive team timeouts. Perfect, perfect, and carrying over any uh, fouls to the next period instead of finish with an untied down. I think that's terrific. Steve Shaw, the NCAA Secretary Rules Editor and Officials Coordinator, told media members today that the combined changes are estimated to shorten the average length of games by 7 to 8 minutes and by 8 minutes plays. So shorten is good. I'm I'm watching I'm watching um spring baseball. I'm watching the Astros um play the Mets. Astros get five runs in the first. They got the pitch count on there. Batters got to be in the box with eight seconds to go on the pitch clock. I love it. Man, this these games are rolling and rolling and I, I think it's I think it's terrific. So, um, let's keep that bad boy going. I like it. And I like it a lot. Um, so, uh, we shall see. We shall see. Um, boy, things are getting, um, really, really interesting with the Washington commanders and their owner, Daniel Snyder. Um, he's under all kinds of controversy. Um, he infuriated NFL owners and restarted conversations about potentially voting him out, according to reports from The Washington Post on Monday. And 24 hours later, Snyder continues to look even worse after he allegedly was charging the franchise $10 million a year to use his own private jets, as well as an additional $4.5 to put the team's logo on his personal plane um, without getting any uh, consent from his minority owners who are in possession of 40% of the team and they didn't consent to the spending. Uh, they they call what Snyder is doing as a personal piggy bank. Uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg regarding Snyder's unapproved financial decisions uh, as part of an FBI and IRS investigation into the team or centered around an even bigger alleged financial misconduct taking a loan of 55 million without informing the minority owners and receiving their approval this crazy absolutely crazy so um yeah stay tuned for more Uh, and he's going to be the next one outed there is no question about that none whatsoever um LSU women's basketball will leave Wednesday at twelve forty-five in front of Tiger Stadium Gate Six. They're heading to Greenville, South Carolina. Will play their first game on Friday at six p.m. in the Bon Secours Arena. Uh, they'll face the winner of Thursday's matchup between number no. ten Auburn and number no. seven Georgia. Uh, meanwhile, two of the Tiger stars. Angel Reese and Mark and um, Miss Morris uh, have been named first team all SEC members. So congratulations, Angel Reese with 27 double doubles on the year. Alexis Morris, also a first team member, and Flage Johnson picks up the um, freshman of the year award in voting by the fourteen. 14- coaches in the SEC um, category. Tigers 27-1 finished second in the SEC for the second consecutive year under Kim Mulkey. Aaliyah Boston the defending player of the year was named the SEC player of the year the defensive player of the year and Gamecocks coach Don Staley received coach of the year honors. Reese May not win the SEC player of the year, but she might win the national player of the year award. She was uh, also named to the all-defensive team. She was named the SEC player of the week, a record seven times this season. She's just a sophomore. uh, Ran away with the SEC's regular season scoring and rebounding titles, 23.7 points per game. That's four ahead of the next closest player and 16 rebounds per game, six ahead of the next closest player. They didn't vote for the best player. They voted for the, the player on the best team. That's plain and simple. That's plain and simple. She did everything. Led the LSU in steals. Um, she, and Monday, she was announced as one of 10 semifinalists for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year honor. So congratulations to her. Congratulations to the LSU women's basketball team. All right, we're going to take our first time out of the day when we return. Ali Cassell, ooh, Pelicans. I'm about to drop the P and add to the SM because right now they are the Smelicans. Next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: You know, you can win a VIP package for Michael's Men's Club Aerial Angels event on March the 8th by sending a simple text message. To score a table for four with bottle service and appetizers, simply join the Games Text Club by texting ANGELS to 337-283-8100. ANGELS, 337-283-8100. Once you're a member, you'll be eligible to score tickets to see Michael's Men's Club Aerial Angels, courtesy of the Games Text Club. Also, later today on Crunch Time, The boys will have a call-in to win for two winners for a pair of tickets for the show. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m.
0: for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we are back at 17 minutes after the hour it was not a good night inside the Smoothie King Center. I called it a must win for the Pelicans, and they they got off to a poor start yet again, falling behind by 11 after one, and falling late to the Orlando Magic, 101-93. to 93. And now the Pels have lost four in a row. They are 30 up, 32 down, just a per- 100th of a percentage point. Ahead of the out of the playoffs at this time, Portland Trailblazers. Ali Cassell from At the Bird Rights joins us. She whiz, Ali. What the heck? This is this is nauseating, buddy. How are you though?
2: Yeah, I'm fine. And I wish we could somehow push a button go back to 2022 (laughs) because since the calendar flipped, boy, this has just been the most abysmal fall from the top of the perch that I've ever seen here in New Orleans.
1: Can't shoot. Cannot shoot the basketball. Um, C.J. McCollum has 18, but, man, he took a lot of shots. Nobody can hit hit a three ball. Herb Jones can't shoot. Uh, I don't know. <sighs> he, w- Willie Green's trying everybody, but nothing seems to be working. What, what is your – give me your analysis of this.
2: Yeah, you know, Jordy, there's so many things going on here at play where, you know, I probably need like half an hour to fully go in depth on everything. But the quick summation is that, Zion, Williamson, and then Brandon Ingram missing two weeks. Their injuries really took a toll on the team that the team hasn't really recovered from. The rest of the players haven't. To where, you know, suddenly roles are, are upside down. They've lost confidence here and there. Um, Jose Alvarado seemed to be going through what Herb Jones is now, say about a month or so ago. He couldn't, you know, even make floaters, let alone three-pointers. And <clears throat> this is come at the worst possible time when, you know, C.J. now is hurting. Jonas Valanciunas is now hurting. I mean, C.J., you know, I don't know if people have noticed, but he's got his thumb heavily wrapped. He's got ligament damage in his shooting thumb. And that's been Mm. there for the last couple of weeks. And that's something that's not going to heal up overnight. I I don't think he's going to get better until after the season. And that's that's shown last two games. I think he's made, what, just a couple of threes out of, what was it, maybe 20 attempts or somewhere close to there. And then Jonas, he's really playing on one leg right now. He can't move. You watched him last night. He couldn't guard anybody, where anybody with the ball went around him very easily. Mm -hmm. And that's because I think he's still being bothered by either it's a new injury or, say, maybe eight games ago he suffered a quad strain, which caused him to miss a game, right? He never misses a game. But I saw him after the game in the locker room, and he was limping around heavily. I mean, this guy doesn't look like a guy that should be playing right now. And, of course, the team's missing Larry So there's just so many things, and you're right. Willie Green is trying something because the team can't make a shot, and they haven't for the last couple of months. But other teams have survived this, Jordy. If you look yeah. at the Miami Heat, for instance, they're averaging two less points per game, shooting worse from three-point range since the Pelicans' downward spiral began on New Year's Eve, and yet they're 15-11 and 11 over this stretch. That's where the Pelicans are 7-20. and 20. So you can almost understand what Willie Green's trying to do now. He's trying to maybe throw out more, a little bit more defense out there by you know moving right. Trey to the bench and starting Josh Richardson. But it hasn't worked. The defense is not going to be Miami's caliber, not when you've got C.J. out there who's defensively a limitation, and then also Jonas. Right? He was never right. stellar to begin with, and now that he's barely limping around, I, I just don't know what they, they, they can do right now. and That's what scares me. Usually I can find some silver linings, but I really don't see it. Not until this team gets healthy. Not until probably Zion gets back.
1: I don't know how you get healthy when you have to go play uh, day after day after day. And they've usually been a a good home team. They've been an awful road team. And now they got to go to two of the toughest places in the league to play. And I I just don't – I guess – one silver lining in this dark cloud, I, and I hate it, but it's the fact is that the Lakers look like they've mm-hmm. lost LeBron James for a couple of weeks, and maybe even more than that. So maybe the Lakers aren't going to be that team that pushes ahead, but Portland's right there. I mean, I, I just – I don't know where this Pelicans team gets a win because they don't play defense and they haven't shot the ball well. It's just I, – I, I can't believe this has happened. I just can't. It's like It's like an entirely – Different complete team. You went in the locker room. What what is there? What is the mood of this team? Is there a panic? Is there a down in the dumps, depressed? What is it?
2: Yeah, it's not a panic, but there's definite frustration. Willie Green talked about it last night. Some of the players, when we spoke to them individually in the locker room, to where it's even a different type of frustration than say from last season, right? That poor awful start, because a lot of players said, "Look, a lot of us were," you know first coming in the NBA or has very limited experience, and especially playing together. Plus, they had key guys out not named Zion, but they had joy. And that was the one message that seemed to come across. Even though they were losing, right, they got to that 3-16 and start, they still really found some silver linings, right, and had fun playing basketball. And that's the thing you've noticed, especially over this last month, at least I have, this team's rarely having fun. You don't see that camaraderie shining after a couple of good plays. I mean, I know Najee Marshall had a nice alley-oop in last night's game to where they kind of celebrated that, but it used to be a common occurrence, right? Jose Alvarado coming up with a steal. Maybe the Pelicans scoring on two back-to-back buckets, and you could just see the joy in their faces. It's not there anymore. I mean, against the magic. Last night, a team that, you know, has admittedly been playing better, but it's a team you should be able to beat on your home court, especially when you've got Brandon Ingram playing. The Pelicans were playing catch-up the entire game, and I never got the sense they could get over the hump. So right now... Goes to your point, Jordy, this is a vastly different team than the one we saw up until through December. They're just not the same. Even though the names are the same on the jerseys, they're yeah. definitely not playing the same way.
1: Do you think the burden of expectation is is weighing yes. heavily on them? Like We're supposed to be winning games. We're supposed to be a playoff team, and look where we are now. We are on a tightrope, and we're leaning on the outside rather than leaning in. you think that pressure – has caused that joy to go away? I think that their
2: past uh, success has been more so kind of the one that is this big elephant in the room right now because they know what they're capable of and they really can't figure it out on how to find it again. So, yes, in a certain sense, it is expectations, right? This team had suddenly built up a whole bunch of them. I mean, I remember reading a lot of Pelicans naysayers, longtime naysayers, national media, Writing that this is a legitimate dark horse for to be a contender for the finals this season. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it wasn't the case that maybe New Orleans thought they had a good team or, or the fact that the players did. No, everybody saw it and they agreed. And now to fall off, like I said, at Persia, where you can't even summon any kind of wins against sub 500 teams. I mean, you're right. Before this game against the Magic, how many have they lost at home? It's been quite a bunch of late. Like, and yeah. uh, that, that used to be, right, that, that was where your saving grace was. That's where you could count on getting your win. So now, like I said, I don't know where they can turn to. Confidence is ruined. The guys are hurting. They're trying a whole bunch of different things. And you've got to think Willie Green's going to keep trying things. Maybe, and I hope, he'll give Kyra Lewis and Dyson Daniels a turn. We saw Jackson Hayes get a whole bunch of run yesterday, and yeah. he didn't really help. So they're going to have to just keep plugging away until, like I said, either CJ, Jonas, or maybe Zong gets back. Because right now, B.I. is the only one you can rely on, right? offensively. Yeah, it, I don't know where else is. you can turn to, but you got to manufacture factor some points.
1: Yeah. It, it is hard to turn that switch on when you've been sitting on the bench a long time. It, it's hard, but these are pros and they got to do it. What do you say mm-hmm. to those critics that say, well, really green is too nice of a guy and maybe he needs to, to scream and holler, throw a clipboard down, get ejected from a game. Um, these players don't fear their coach and, people say that what what is your opinion on that aspect
2: fear isn't going to get them to play harder play better any of the above and I know that Willie's message has been vastly well received by the entire group in the locker room it just it's not translating and then that's what happens when you know when when you're playing in in the most uh, in the most difficult league there is and you suddenly have one or two things wrong, and then all of a sudden that avalanches into a whole lot of other things. Well, it's hard to give it 110% of your focus, your energy, on every play. It just happens. I don't know for those that have played sports, you can probably relate to it, because I certainly remember that. And once those avalanches start, it's hard to change that. So no matter what the coach says or does, and even though from what I've been told, he's been giving them the right info. He wants them to shoot more threes. He's trying to get, like I said, more energy, right, especially at the start of games, but it's just not happening. Because I feel like this team has suddenly fallen in that funk to where it's almost impossible to shake. It just has to happen. One game, they have to have that one win that suddenly they can say, okay, we found something, and then you use that as a springboard. But when's that win going to come? I don't know, but it needs to happen, right? It needs to happen soon because they're barely hanging on the 10th as it is in the Western Conference.
1: And they play the the Trailblazers, who are at number eleven. They play them in Portland tomorrow night, and you saw what Dame Lillard can do. And then they go Friday to the Golden State Warriors, and then Monday to the Sacramento Kings. I mean, realistically, it is looking very, very bleak unless this team has one of those epiphanies and they start shooting the ball well. It's quite. I mean, I would bet 0 and 3 easily against those three teams on this West Coast trip. And now now you're free falling.
2: I'm with you, Jordy. I don't see how they'd get a win. I mean, your best hope, and the one you want to get, the one you need to get, is the one against Portland. Portland. Because, if, yes. yeah, they've got two more matchups against the Trailblazers, and you've got to hold off the teams below you. If you want to have any realistic expectations of the play in playoffs, you got to keep those teams below you. And that's how you do it. So. I know that Portland has not been playing well, and I don't understand their trade of Josh Hart to the Knicks. Um, it made them worse, in my mind. So I'm not even sure what they're doing. But right now, it's easy to say they're playing better than Pelicans. Just about everybody's playing better. Yeah. so You've got to hopefully find some there. But if you don't, this is what they've got coming up, though. They've got a big home stretch. Then they've got a lot of cupcakes. So I, I was talking to some people behind the scenes yesterday that they're hoping that they can somehow get through this stretch currently right now since y'all are breaking. that includes these three upcoming games to where you yeah. find something at some point, and then you can use that to where you play very well at home again. And then, like I said, you've you got the Rockets on the back-to-back. you got the Spurs after that, the Hornets. You've got some cupcake matchups in there if you can turn it around.
1: God, I thought the, I thought the magic was going to be a cupcake. You never know in this league. <laughs> I, I did too. I swear <laughs> you never, right? You never know.
2: I know, and I'll tell you what, C.J. McCollum was warning us. At the end of December, I remember him saying, I'm not going to get too high over how well we've played. It's a good thing he said, but look, we're only halfway through this season. I keep thinking about it after every single loss
1: since. All right, disappointing to say the least. We'll see what happens. I, I, I'm going to go on the record. They're going to lose to the Blazers, the Warriors, and the Kings, and then they got the Mavericks at home. Oh, my God. I just – I can't believe Kings it. To be oh, able to I walk, even believe bad
2: teams it. can walk into wins, right? But it just feels like this Pelicans team can't right now, right? And that's no, what scares me. No. When's it going to end? They got to find no. something.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Portland's got Dame Littler who can go for 40 any night. Uh, we've seen mm-hmm. what Clay Thompson's doing of late for the Warriors. Oh. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Kings, they, they don't go away.
0: Mm-hmm. They don't
1: go to Aaron Fox. They don't go away. And then who knows with the Mavericks, what you're going to get with Luka and Kyrie. I mean there there is no easy opportunity for this Pelicans team for quite some for a couple of weeks at least, and this thing could be out of out of hand by then before they get to yeah. those cupcakes,
2: yeah, Jordan, I just wish there could be one season here in New Orleans where we don't talk the vast amount of time about injuries, right? Just just yeah. give me one season because I really right think time. this this year they had it. Zion Wins yeah. was playing the best ball of his career right, right before he got hurt. And imagine if yeah. B.I. had come back, Zion hadn't gotten hurt. I think this team would still be top three easy in the West. I don't think, you know, they would have hit that. That train wouldn't have hit them.
1: I'm with you. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. We'll see. We'll see. Sprint to the <laughs> finish line, and it looks like we got some ankle weights on our feet. So, anyway, Ali, thank yeah, you, man. I, have a good day. I, uh,
2: yeah, thanks, Jordan. I hope we have a better discussion next week because this this is a down point of this season so far. I it hope really we don't is. get any more. Yeah.
1: It really is. Thank you, my friend. We'll take a time out burden. here. When we come back, we'll go live to Austin, Texas preview. The Tigers and the Longhorns on the diamond.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Brought to you each and every day by the great folks at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, over 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at uh, ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. They're in Lafayette, in Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery. You can't win until you start playing by DC's little capital Exxon with their true soul food deli home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun chef, it's crawfish season, man. Turn up the taste with Cajun chef, hot sauce.
0: Every day is a chamber of commerce kind of day. When you're listening to the Jordy Holberg show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
1: We're back and we shift gears to the baseball diamond where tonight LSU, the number one ranked team in the country, will take on Texas. Um, joining us now is uh, Ryderford Horns 247 at 247 Sports We've had him on before when it was football season, but now a uh, basketball season, rather. Now it's Jeff Howe joining us for baseball season. Jeff, I, I know it's a busy day, baby. I, I really do appreciate the time, man. How are you doing?
3: Good, good. Uh, yeah, busy day at a radio show, podcast, I'm getting ready for this uh, game tonight. It should be a lot of fun. I know, uh, you know, the football game back in 2019, uh, tonight, uh, you know, anytime LSU fans come to Austin, not not like LSU fans need a reason to party, but Always need yeah. to be some going down in Austin uh, whenever these two teams hook up.
1: i got to ask you, UFCU Dish Falk Field. Explain that bad boy to me. Uh,
3: Yeah. you got to have the naming rights. I think that was back in maybe 2000, what was it, 2007, 2008. Uh, University Federal Credit Union uh, bought okay. the naming rights to the stadium. So that's where I the UFCU comes in.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, people are going to say, what's wrong with, what's wrong with Texas? They're three and four, but strength of schedule is pretty darn good, isn't it? Strength of
3: schedule. And then you, you look at their losses to the, to the MLB draft. I mean, you lose, you know, obviously Ivan Melendez, the national player of the year. Uh, Murphy Stelly was an all American. Who's out of eligibility, uh, right up the middle of the diamond. I mean, with Silas Argo at catcher and Trey Faltini at shortstop, Douglas Hodo at at center field, Uh, all of those guys were drafted. So, uh, it was going to kind of be a, a, a retooling year, a rebuilding year, however you want to couch it. Uh, so I think everybody, David Pierce included, knew it was probably as good a time as any to turn the page, and I think that's why you saw him make the staff from the tab moves that he made. Uh, you know, He and uh, Sean Allen and Philip Miller have been together going back to you know, when David Pierce got the Sam Houston job uh, many years ago, and uh, you know Philip Miller's in an administrative role now. Sean Allen, uh, he and the program part of ways, he's now at Ohio State, and uh, you know David Pierce really took his time finding the right guys and feels like he's got them. Uh, you know Steve Rodriguez was uh, let go at Baylor and, and he's in now as the recruit, uh, you know helping recruit and uh, coaching infielders and hitters. And then uh, you know Woody Williams, Woody Williams played in the majors for a long time and uh, had a, a pretty good run as the pitching coach at San Jacinto College. And now he's he's a part of the staff with David Pierce and trying to get guys like the guy uh, LSU fans to see tonight now uh, LeBaron Johnson Jr. Uh, you know, a guy that can, can run it up 95, 96. Uh, he, he's got really good stuff. It's just can you get it out of him consistently? Can, can he have repeatable mechanics? That's why uh, David Pierce went with Woody Williams as his pitching coach. So it was going to be kind of a rebuilding year, retooling year, maybe not the best year to go to Globe Life and play in the college showdown. Uh, you know, but if you look at their three losses there, though, I mean, the Arkansas game, they were in it until the very end, the Missouri game. Uh, they were in it until the very end. The Vanderbilt one was the one that, that got away from them, and then they rolled with some young guys and, uh, you know, I think four or five errors in that game, so uh, a little bit tough, and then, you know, they come back and they get a series win over Indiana, but, uh, you know, even talking to David Pierce after the game, he said that was one of the most embarrassing losses he's been a part of in his time at Texas just because of the way they lost it. Uh, you know, just a lot of base running errors, guys missing signs, but just poor communication, so, Again, at the risk of repeating myself, we knew it was going to kind of be a retooling year, rebuilding year for Texas. But uh, this team's got some talent, and uh, you know they've got the pieces to compete. And once again, what's a really good Big 12?
1: Jeff Howarth, it seems to me this is a team. If you're an LSU supporter, you're glad you're playing them early. I think this is a team, and I'm a big believer uh, in Coach Pierce because we saw him what he did at Tulane for years um i'm a believer i think this team's going to get better and better and better You, you relied on the long ball so much last year um 128 homers the most home runs in a season in texas baseball uh in only 69 games but you only have one player who returns and had 10 or more homers from that is this still a long ball hitting team or is this gonna it's a whole different look
3: yeah, it's a whole different look. I mean, and I I think David Pierce knew that coming into the year that this team was it was going to have to be built a little bit different. You know, they're going to have to do a better job at manufacturing runs. They're going to have to rely on the short game. They're going to have to do a lot of different things to get offensive production. I mean, one of the funniest questions that I've heard some some of my colleagues try to ask is uh, and, well, how do you replace Ivan Melendez? Well, you don't. We happen to, you don't. The, the national player of the year who, you know, sets the, the single-season home run record in the BB core bat era, you, you don't replace that guy. Um, you know, they've got some young guys that have some pop. Jared Thomas, who at first base tonight, uh, Jalen Flores, he'll either be at third base or, or DH. And Dylan Campbell, who you mentioned, you know, had to hit double-digit home runs last year, played really, really well in the postseason, had a really good regional in Austin, and then, uh, was the hero of their comeback win in the second game of the Greenville Super Regional and uh, Super Regional at Texas and winning to get to Omaha. Uh, you know, DC started a little bit slow. Eric Kennedy's a guy that I think probably would have uh, gotten a double digit home runs had he not dealt with a hamstring injury for, for a decent chunk of the year. And, you know, LSU fans might remember Kennedy, you know, that three game series that LSU played in Austin back in 2019. Yeah. Uh Kennedy was a freshman on that team, and that's kind of life right now in college baseball with guys that have eligibility because of the COVID year. Kennedy decided wasn't drafted and uh, decided to put off pro ball for another year and come back to Texas for one more year. So, uh, you know, they've got some guys that are capable of power, but I think what you'll see out of the Texas team, especially the top of the lineup with Kennedy, uh, with Dylan Campbell, Porter Brown, the transfer from TCU, a lot of speed if they can just minimize the mistakes on the bases. Uh, they've got the ability, if they can get those top guys on base, uh, to put a lot of pressure on opposing pitchers with their ability in the run game. Like I said, you'll you'll see Texas, you know, I think the run production can be there to help them compete on a game-in, game-out basis, but it'll be a lot different than they got it from them the way they got it last year.
1: Y'all got to start being nice to LSU people. 17-2-1 all-time advantage for the Longhorns over the Tigers in Austin. My goodness gracious. So we'll see. How excited is that uh, population Um, with the fact that it's finally going to happen and Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC for football in 2024. How excited is everybody now about that? You know, I I think, honestly, as
3: excited as everybody is about football, I think people are equally excited. The fan base, they're equally excited, if not more, for baseball. You know, Texas, you know, they they played a series with LSU. Uh, They played some really good games the last few years with Mississippi State. Uh, Texas baseball fans and, and guys that played on that national championship team in 2005, they'll still tell you to a man, you know, the toughest stretch they had was that super, you know, they had down in Oxford uh, trying to get through that. What well, was a really good old Miss team that yeah. year. So uh, I yeah. think going to, you know, Texas has had some, some battles with Tennessee the last couple of years, knocked them out of Omaha uh, in 2021. So uh, I think, like I said, as much as everybody's looking forward to football and rightfully so, uh, Texas baseball fan base. It's a it is a passionate fan base. It's a dedicated fan base, and they're looking forward to going to, to Baton Rouge or Knoxville or Starkville yeah. or uh, Oxford. Uh, you know, going to Fayetteville and, and really, really
1: sinking their teeth okay. into uh
3: what uh, unquestionably is uh, is the best baseball league
1: in the country. No question. Um, Jeff Howe with us. Uh, I tell you. I think you know Arkansas came into the league and man they were a basketball power. I like your basketball team too despite all the things that happened earlier on it's a it's what a great job that the team has done the the interim head coach has done to keep this thing going. they are a legit contender um and so basketball is going to be exciting as well. Yeah
3: and and I think uh you know I think when you look at this year's Texas team specifically Like you said, the job Rodney Terry's done as the interim head coach to really keep this thing together. I think part of that too is it's a veteran team. You know, you've got several guys on this team, Uh, not that not that they were NBA draft kind of guys, but you know, Marcus Carr, Christian Bishop, uh, Dylan Dessou. You've got a lot of guys that decided to put off playing overseas or you know take a crack at the G League or whatever. Whatever they were going to do, just put that off for another year and come back because they wanted to make a run in a final four to try to win a national championship, and they think they've got the goods to do that. You know, really in terms of personnel, a surprising addition for Texas has been Serge Jabari Rice got him out of the transfer yeah. portal from New Mexico State. Uh, what was a really good New Mexico State program under Chris Chance? Uh, he's been a godsend as a sixth man off the bench. And you know, Texas has has gotten to the point where they're able to put you know competitive teams more years than not on the court for men's basketball. Uh, you know, I think it, it's still to Texas fans. I think one of the losses that really burns them is, you know, what might have been the most talented team of the Rick Barnes era was that 05 06 team, uh, that lost yeah. to, uh, an LSU team with Big Baby Davis and Tyrus Thomas yep. down in the Georgia Dome with the Final Four berth yep. on the line. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, and I, I tell you what, too, the Moody Center—you know—moving into the new building has really changed how this fan base has responded to basketball. I mean, the Irwin Center—it was—it was cavernous; it was not a good basketball environment. Uh, Texas now, and I was talking to Rodney Terry about this a couple of weeks ago. He said, "Yeah," he said, "now we do have a legitimate home court advantage when we play a home games. That's something that Texas hasn't hardly had since uh, since they moved into the Irwin Center." Uh, back in 1978 so it, it's it's a different time uh but yeah as high as the expectations were for texas at the start of the year the fact that they're sitting here you know on the last day of february getting to go into march w- with a chance to have everything that we thought they could be still in front of them this uh, just a remarkable job by rodney terry
1: yeah. well we got baseball tonight uh lsu and texas um I even played in the drum back in the day, back in my days, big guy. So I know exactly what you're talking about with that eyesore. And it was an eyesore back when I played. 6.30 first pitch uh, tonight. It's on the Longhorn Network. And, of course, you can listen to the ballgame here on the game. One last question, I'll let you go on this one. Your choice, your preference, if, if SEC football goes to that three permanent and then rotate the others, the other six, with a nine-game format, who would you want? Texas to play year in and year out on your football schedule?
3: I think no question. Uh, it would be Texas A&M, got to yep. keep Oklahoma on there, uh, and then Arkansas. Uh, you okay. know, the fact that I think for Texas fans, this is having your cake and eating it too. You, you get to go to uh, the premier college football conference in the country, uh, everything that comes along with going to the SEC, and now, you know, your three traditional rivals, with all due respect to Baylor fans and Texas Tech and TCU fans, uh, these are the three rivals that Texas fans think of when they think of programs that they perceive to be, you know, they equal or they can call legitimate rivals: Texas, uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. So I think it would be those three, and then uh, rotate rotate the other six opponents. But I think if you if Texas gets those three, which I would like to see, uh, I think they'll be very happy the way the rest of the schedule shakes out.
1: Jeff, yeah, you're the best. Um, I'm gonna keep you on speed dial because 2024 is right around the corner. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. Everybody's looking forward to it. Everybody wants to make the trip to Austin and to to Norman and all and vice versa. So it should be a lot of fun. It should be a really good ball game tonight. Um, and we appreciate your time, buddy. Thank you so much. Yep, anytime. You're the best. That is Jeff Howe. Go of uh two four seven sports covering the Texas Longhorns. Back to wrap up our number one next
0: this is the Jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros
1: can you help us go and subscribe to our youtube channel at the game louisiana at the game louisiana and turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps help us get to 1000 followers and see more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief at the game louisiana on youtube don't agree
0: with what jordy has to say not to worry he's always open to a healthy debate
1: well Dean, i'm, I'm glad that you asked that actually question. i'd like to jump in and take that one jimmy if you don't mind
0: have at it, boss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337 706 0111. Now, back to more of the Jordy Holtberg show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And We're back at 54 minutes after the hour. You know, back in 1970, Pistol Pete um, put the finishing touches on a collegiate career that ended. With an NCAA record 3,667 points, you think, oh, it's it's unbeatable. Nobody's gonna be, nobody's gonna touch it because if you're scoring that many points, you're gonna leave and go to the NBA. Well, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a challenger has arisen, and that challenger is named Antoine Davis, a six-foot-one guard from Detroit Mercy, the Titans. He's passed every other Division One player scoring mark: Oscar, Bird, Manning, Hansbrough. Otis Bur- they're all in Davis's rearview mirror. And now Pistol Pete is only 63 points ahead. Starting tonight, Detroit Mercy is in the win or go home stage of its season, which means that Davis has to rely on his team if he's going to match the record. He's averaged 28 points per game this year. He'll need to average 32 over the next two games if the Titans get that far to pass Pistol Pete. Now you don't luck your way into 3604 points. He's had 5 years to do it. Pete had 3 years. Pete didn't have the shot clock. Pete didn't have the 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 three-point line. I understand all of that. So congratulations to Mr. Day. I know his dad. His dad was a coach, played at Alabama, was a, was a coach at Indiana, Alabama, coach Davis. Um yeah, but let let's put it all in perspective. Pete played in just 83 games. Davis has played five years, played 141 games. It, it's it's apples and oranges. No one will ever top what Pistol Pete did. Got to be honest with you. I don't want to wish the kid bad luck, but I hope Detroit Mercy loses. I hope they lose. One and done and get out of here and let's get on with it. All right? Let's get on with it. I don't want to see him break Pistol Pete's record, even though it took him five years to do it and over 60 games more. Come on. Come on. That's crazy. It's crazy. So anyway, um, look, he's only 6'1", 165 pounds. So you know he's got to be good. But, you know, he's not. He's just. Anyway. Detroit Mercy, great. I hope you lose tonight. Get the season over so Pete holds on to the record. Boom. I said it. There you go. Um, coming up, our number two of the program, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Lots and lots of NFL talk uh, going out there. Um, Mark Jackson hinting toward the Saints. The Saints with another interview at the NFL Combine with Derek Carr. Uh, they're wheeling and dealing, and, and we'll see if if they can uh, close the proverbial deal Chicago seems to have, want to trade their number one overall pick. Uh, a lot of teams need quarterbacks. How much ransom can the Chicago Bears get in a trade of the number one pick in the draft? So these stories and much, much, much more coming your way. Our number two of the Jordy Helford show here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers. You're home for the Houston Astros and you're home
0: Hour number two of two
1: and away we go um it's tuesday it's february 28th it's the last day of the month tomorrow we turn the calendar and flip it over to march with a lot of exciting things coming it's tournament time um south conference tournament about to get underway the Sun Belt conference tournament about to get underway SEC Women's Tournament is beginning. Uh, Kim Mulkey's crew will play on Friday. They leave um, tomorrow to make their journey uh, there. So a lot of fun things happening. Got a big, 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 big baseball game tonight as LSU is in Austin, Texas, to take on the Longhorns. Um, So a lot of fun things in store. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair, back in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media which houses uh, KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. So that's another option for you. Um, you can call us on our game hotline, 337-706-0111. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn the television set on because we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3, and 133 on LUS Fiber. Got to give a shout out to the to the boss, Mr. Chuck Wood, enjoying the start of retirement, played a little round of golf and had his ninth hole in one of his life. Dude is just um nine hole in ones. That's that's kind of remarkable. I don't know what the record is. I'm sure it's outlandish, but he's got more hole in ones than anybody I personally know by far by far so congratulations chuck way to way to start off retirement in style so uh just remember that if you're going to play golf with him don't get snookered all right no uh, he, he can play he can play anyway uh, you know who can't play right now is the New orleans pelicans my gosh this season of so much promise so much anticipation is, is just going down the commode. I mean, it's swirling and whoop. Lose last night to the Orlando Magic, 101-93. Get outscored in the first frame, 36-25. They come back in the second and then get outscored in the third by four, outscored in the fourth by three, and lose it by eight, 101-93. They can't shoot 22% from downtown. They turn the ball over. With reckless, reckless abandon. Um, They just don't value the basketball. And it's just mind-boggling. Six of 27 from downtown. They get out-rebounded by five. 17 turnovers. Um, It's just, it's not, it's just ridiculous. They cannot, they can't find any scoring other than Brandon Ingram. Um, Everybody else seems to be hurt or just incapable and right now, as they head on a West Coast road swing, um, they are holding on to the 10th and final playoff spot. One through six are in. Seven, eight, nine, and 10 are in the play-in round. And right now, the Pels are in the play-in round with a percentage of .484. They're 30 and 32. They go on the road tomorrow, and they play the Portland Trailblazers who are at .483, 100th of a percentage point behind the Pelicans. Then after they play them, then they've got to go play the Golden State Warriors. And then they've got to go play the Sacramento Kings. There is no easy game in this thing. And I can see the next two weeks are going to be just Really, really difficult for this Pelicans team, plain and simple. So so we'll see. They just, I mean, Zion hurts, but, you know, look, Steph Curry's out and the Warriors keep winning. We'll see what the Lakers can do now that LeBron James is going to be out for a minimum of two weeks. So we'll see what happens there. It's just not looking good. It's not looking good. Um, so we shall see, we shall see without question, without doubt. I watched the Astros and the Mets in a little, uh, uh, what are they, the cactus league or the grapefruit league? I can't remember one of the two, they're those spring baseball. Um, and the big thing is trying to speed up the game. There's a pitch cat. There's a pitch clock. The batter has to be 20 seconds. The batter has to be in with the bat in his hand in the batter's box with eight seconds to go on the pitch count. And that thing's moving smoothly, fluidly. I, I like it. I like, it. there's no reason why baseball games should be four hours. Can we get it to three? How about a little bit less than three? People don't want to see people walking up back and forth and walking around the diamond and the batter outside the the box with fooling with his gloves. And they don't want to see action. Let's give them some action. So, I for one, I'm not a baseball purist. I love baseball, love to watch it. But let's speed it up. I like it. I like it a lot. So, um let's see how how that all unfolds. Um with this college footballs meeting in Indianapolis to try to shorten some games next season, another push to monitor safety as college football prepares for that 12 team playoff beginning in 2024 How about running the clock after a first down is awarded perfect except in the last two minutes of either half I'm all for it eliminate eliminating the option for teams to call consecutive team timeouts freeze the kicker at the end of a game freeze them no no more I'll, I'm all for that and you can't carry any fouls uh, you you carry over fouls to the next period instead of finishing with an untimed down so Steve Shaw, the um, official's coordinator and the rules editor for the NCAA, former official in the SEC, uh, told the media today that the combined changes are estimated to shorten the average length of games by seven to eight minutes and eight plays. doesn't sound like a lot, but to coaches, eight plays is a lot, and they want every one of them. College football games have averaged 180 plays per game over the past three regular seasons, according to Shaw. And the games last typically three hours and 21 minutes. So let's speed it up a little bit. I'm all for it. (coughs) Excuse me. I am absolutely all for it. We shall see, though, um, if it passes and in, in what way. In what way? So the Falcons have released former number two overall pick Marcus Mariota. Um, A lot of people think the top landing spots for him are the Packers and the Chiefs. Uh, We shall see. It's all about cost cutting. No question about that. So they went from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota to now um, their rookie Desmond Ritter. Okay, so that's one team in the NFC South. Apparently, uh, the word is out that um, with the NFL Combine coming on, that Derek Carr is meeting with the Saints again and also meeting with the Carolina Panthers. So trying to get a feel for where he wants to go um, in another cost-cutting manner, close to home. This just in, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to release running back Leonard Fournette um, prior to the start of the new league year on March 15th. Um, so the Bucs enter this offseason season. 55 million over the cap 35 million of it coming from retired quarterback Tom Brady so part of the business is you got a cost cut um you got a cost cut and it looks like fournette has 2 million in guaranteed money remaining on his contract and we'll see who will pick Leonard up next year so um playoff Lenny no longer a buccaneer would you want to see Leonard fournette in a new Orleans saints outfit. Would you like that? We'll talk. uh, We'll talk about that with, um, Bob Rose of the saints news network here shortly. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see a lot of things happening. Um, is Michael Thomas going to be with the saints or is Michael Thomas going to be on some other team? I, I got a feeling with the cost cutting and everything that Michael Thomas is going to be gone. Um, they work to restructure his contract to give both sides some flexibility this offseason. Uh, and that could certainly single signal a parting of the ways, unless of course, Derek Carr says, I'm going to come to the, to New Orleans only if you pay me this amount of money. And only if Michael Thomas is still on the roster and that could happen. Thomas will be 30 in March. He's got time to prove he can get back to his 2019 form when he broke all those records and was the offensive player of the year. But, boy, how quickly he has deteriorated. And who knows how fractured the relationship is between the team and the player. Your guess is as good as mine. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll get delve deeply into uh, the New Orleans Saints and the NFL when we return with the black and gold report after this timeout. So glad you're with us
0: on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros
1: The Monster Trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome the toughest monster truck tour returns March 17th and 18th and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has a VIP package to the toughest monster truck tour enter in the game rewards club at 1037thegame.com A VIP package includes four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, we love swag, and lunch with the drivers on that Friday. The toughest monster truck tour is coming back and you could win a VIP package courtesy of the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. It's time for Jordy to march into some
0: New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hey, Bob, how you doing today, my friend?
4: Oh, hanging in there, uh, you know, dealing with some seasonal allergies, but I think I'll (laughs) live. Uh, I hope you're doing well.
1: All right, well, let's get you through this month of uh, February because tomorrow – turns to March, and that means March 15th begins a new year in the NFL. But right now, the combine's going on, and apparently Derek Carr is um, going to get wined and dined by not one, not two, but three teams, including the New Orleans Saints. What, what do you think Derek Carr's thinking? What, what, what's he looking for? We're hearing
4: reports that Derek is looking for a contract that averages around $35 million a year. Uh, and I know that has a lot of Saints fans up in arms. Yeah, you know, uh, oh, that's too much on a quarterback. That's and the you know, going rate, right though, there.
1: that's exactly. the going rate. Yeah, yeah,
4: exactly. Unless you look at uh, you know, teams that have rookie uh, quarterbacks on rookie contracts, which there are about eight or nine of them right now, then a thirty-five million dollars a year for a Derek Carr is actually around average. Uh, you know, if you can believe that. So you know, if the Saints want a Derek Carr, they're going to have to pony up the money. Yeah. Now, I will say this. The thing that I think is working in New Orleans favor right now, at least early on, the market for Derek Carr, I think, is a lot smaller than what a lot of us, maybe even Carr himself, has anticipated. Only the Saints and Jets have met with him officially, which is why he and his representatives are at the scouting combine to open up that door for other teams, Good Panthers point. included. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I, there's a lot of teams that I thought would jump into the Derek Carr sweepstakes that are not, at least as of this
1: moment. It looks like a lot of those teams are going to try to build their quarterback via the draft. Um, and they're like, okay, look, we've tried, we tried free agency. You know, we tried Carson Wentz. We tried Matt Ryan. We tried this guy and that guy. Uh-uh. We're going to start over. Uh, it looks like Atlanta's going to go with their, their you know, soon to be second year quarterback because they let go of Marcus Mariota. So to your point, I agree. So what should the New Orleans Saints do with quarterback this season? I, I mean, we're, we're going to start a poll on this thing, Bob, and you're going to be our first vote. Do whatever it takes to get Derek Carr, trade up and go via the draft to get a quarterback? Or, heaven forbid, do you give Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton another shot at it?
4: Uh, first of all, Jordy, I don't think they're going to give Winston and, uh, and or Dalton another shot at it. Uh, maybe bring, bring Dalton back as a backup, but that's it. Yeah. If it were me, I prefer to see the New Orleans Saints draft a quarterback in the first round. Either sit at 29 and maybe take a little bit of a reach on a guy like Hendon Hooker, who I'm a huge fan of, or if they think they have the ammunition to move up and one of those top three or four guys fall uh, maybe to the middle of the first round, move up and grab them. That's that's the way I'd prefer to see the Saints go. But I think they're putting a lot of their eggs in the Derek Carr basket right now. That just it, yeah. it, thats how it appears to me.
1: Why does the national media say, oh, look, I mean, the Jets and Carolina, the big spenders, big spenders. Are, what, are, what are the Saints? The Saints are always over the salary cap. Saints spend a lot of money. So why are they not saying that?
4: Very easy uh, because, you know, the Jets, Panthers, jaguars and other teams that we've seen in years past they would all be big spenders on the open market the saints for the most part have spent their money in-house contract extensions and uh you know renewals restructures that kind of thing they haven't to my recollection they haven't spent really big money on a single free agent uh you know for at least the last handful of years all
1: right so there's a lot of cuts because of Cost. We talked about Mariota leaving the Falcons. Leonard Fournette going to be released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Local kid. Would you like to see playoff Lenny as a New Orleans Saint, or is that to, is he is he damaged goods?
4: I, I, he might be damaged good, so I would take a long, hard look at him if I were the Saints. Uh, but if if he could still play, it's not a bad move. Uh, I think, well, I know you and I are both in agreement that running back is a huge yeah. area of need this offseason. And that was before, or that's not counting Alvin Kamara's legal problems. Kamara's likely suspension increases that need exponentially. And I'll tell you, it's a good year. For a team to be in need of a running back. You got you know, you're now gonna have a guy like Fournette on the market. Uh I don't think Saquon Barkley is gonna hit the open market. Yeah. But guys like you know Kareem Hunt, Rashad Penny, Josh Jacobs, if the Raiders let him Ooh, out of his building.
1: Sign uh, him. I, yeah, I'll, oh, take him. <laughs>
4: I'll take <laughs> him. I'll take him. I love that. Uh yeah, and yeah, there's a handful of other uh running backs that are are near or uh, near top tier. We're very clear number two options, not to mention the position is considered a deep one in this draft. So, yeah, if Lenny, if Lenny Fournette uh, is willing uh, you know, as a hometown kid to maybe come back to New Orleans, I'd look long and hard at him because, you know, as well as I do, the running backs, they they don't gradually go downhill. They fall off a steep cliff. And, you know, the Saints are not in a position where they can spend money and bring in a guy who just simply doesn't have it anymore.
1: Is Andres Pete going to get released by the Saints?
4: You know, I think he is. Uh, <clears throat> I do think he is. And, you know, the move would save about $11.8 in salary cap space this yeah. year. Uh, now, it would cost them about $14 million of dead cap, but they could spread that over the next couple of years. Another option is to restructure Pete, which would save them about $10.4 million in cap space. But in doing so, they would have to add voidable years, which means you're on the hook for a very, very injury-prone player uh, you know, for at least the next three, four, maybe more years. Yeah, I think the time has come you know, for the Saints to cut ties with Andrus Pete, and they're going to go another direction uh, you know, with that left guard spot. Just off the top of my head, maybe move a guy like James Hurst inside. Plug in your number one draft choice from last year, Trevor Penning, at Hurst' left tackle spot.
1: Yeah, there's your yeah.
4: starting offensive line, yeah. and it comes a lot cheaper.
1: Yeah, makes perfect sense. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. That's why we have you on. Uh, <laughs> were you happy with the Tano uh contract extension?
4: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, KP K- K- is a heck of a player. Uh, they got him for about two year, you know, the two two year extension for around six six point five million. Uh, you know, so that's a deal. Uh, you know, he, he's not going to make any Pro Bowls anytime soon, but yeah, you know, if you've watched Saints games in the two years he's been with them, he is a really underrated contributor for that defensive line. Uh, you know, and you know, feeling like they're not going to re sign a guy like Marcus Davenport, and I don't think they will. Passagno's presence, along with Carl Granderson, that makes that other edge spot opposite of Cam Jordan not nearly as big a need going into free agency in the
1: draft. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Um, court, quarterback certainly takes uh, all the impetus. Why, why is it all we're hearing about is Derek Carr? We're not hearing anything about Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, we're not hearing anything about... Any other quarterback? It's either it's either uh, Aaron Rodgers coming out of the the darkness, or it's Derek Carr. There's there's other quarterbacks out there. We're not hearing a peep. Yeah, and that surprises me. Now, uh,
4: you know, it, it might be because teams could trade for Aaron Rodgers now if he's available, and you certainly understand all the hoopla around Rodgers. Yeah, you know, given the amount of Pro Bowls and statistics that he's put up in his career, uh, teams can negotiate with Derek Carr right now. They technically cannot negotiate with Garoppolo, Baker, Mayfield, any of those other guys who won't officially be free agents until March 15th. They can't talk to them until March 13th. But still, the and like you pointed out, the fact that we've not even heard any rumors of you know, the Saints or any other team being interested in a guy like Garoppolo who's been to three NFC championship games in a yeah. Super Bowl, Uh, you know, and other players, uh, you know, Mayfield, Gino, uh, yeah, Gino Smith, uh, who I don't think is going to get out of Seattle. Those guys either. have had success in this yeah. league, granted limited, but you put their body of work up against Derek Carr and you're not going to find a great deal of difference.
1: Any interest? What's who's better? Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Who's the best of those three?
4: Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston. There's no question in my mind. But again, as soon as it was announced that Dennis Allen was going to officially be back as the New Orleans Saints coach, anybody that wanted Jameis Winston in a Saints uniform this year uh, or this coming season should have taken that hope right off of the table right then and there. It's very clear that Jameis Winston is not a Dennis Allen guy. Uh, and you know when you're comparing Mariota and Dalton, I think I'd take Mariota ever so slightly because of the threat run. that Marcus brings with his legs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, backup, backup guy. I mean, you take a flyer on Mariota, get him cheap. Uh, yeah, sure,
4: I think that's a possibility. Uh, you know, listen, if the Saints cannot or decide not to get a Derek Carr or a Jimmy Garoppolo, the other free agent options that are out there, Mariota. Yeah, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, excuse me, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, those other guys, I view them all as bridge starters. So, yeah, I think at that point, if you don't get a car or a Garoppolo, you absolutely turn your sights to the draft. You move up, you sit tight and get a guy like Hooker, whatever your strategy is uh, You know, to bring in a rookie guy. But if you do that, you 100 percent have to bring in a backup with legitimate starting experience. And Mariota certainly fits that bill.
1: See what scares me about the Saints is like Pete Carroll saying Sean Payton is the perfect coach to get Russell Wilson back on track. You get a rookie quarterback in here who who Pete Carmichael um, who who's who's the guy who's going to develop this? That's what concerns me in, in the in the need of the most important position on the field. I don't know if the Saints have the guys that can develop the quarterback. Maybe I'm wrong, but. I I just don't see it.
4: Listen, I feel the same way as you do. And I'm a big fan of Ronald Curry, who was the quarterback's coach last year. And a lot of us expect him to have an increased say in what the offense does this year. But outside of Curry, you know, Carmichael and these other guys, they have had extended bodies of work. And the one thing that we can't take away from them negatively is the fact that we've not seen you know, Carmichael or any of those other assistants develop any other quarterbacks. Now, Sean Payton didn't bring a lot of them in, but he still spent. Uh, you know, a, a day three pick on Ian Book. He still spent a day three pick on Garrett Grayson. Neither of those guys were able to develop, uh, you know, which means if you look at a guy like Anthony Richardson, a guy, a kid who I think should have stayed in college, mm-hmm. uh, but you know ha- does have a high upside. Uh, or and frankly, any other rookie, because the, you know, the change from college ball to NFL ball is yeah. still so drastic yeah. uh, you know, that you need a good, solid foundation of offensive coaches, specifically ones to develop the quarterback position. And I'm with you as much as I love Hooker, as much as I would love them to you know, put, a, put a, together a, a miraculous deal and go up and get a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud, I don't see the guys on that staff that have been able to draft quarter uh, to, to develop oh. quarterbacks. I'm with you.
1: I'm with you. Uh, let's take a quick time out here. We'll continue with Bob Rose of the Saints News network. Was it the biggest mistake that Sean Payton ever made? We'll discuss after this timeout.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg show on the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette and one Oh four, one Lake Charles Southwest, Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets, over 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. They're in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Ladder. You can't win until you start playing. By D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli. Home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef. Speaking of taste, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. They say shooters
0: shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: the black and gold report with our good friend from the Saints News Network, Mr. Bob Rose. Bob, I kind of teased it going into the break. Uh, the biggest mistake in the Sean Payton era. Was it the fact that the Saints never had a contingency plan for the future knowing one of these days Drew Brees was going to retire and now unlike the 49ers who you know did what they did unlike the Packers that do, have done what and other teams have done they planned for the future was that the biggest mistake of the Sean Payton era?
4: Yes sir, 100%. Uh and it's not like we didn't see a Drew Brees decline coming. I mean, right. you know, no man defeats Father Time, right? Uh, but in 2019, I noticed a significant drop in his play, and certainly in 2020. Um, so the the fact that Sean Payton did not have a, a a contingency plan for that day when the old number nine hung it up. I think he did himself a disservice and an even greater disservice to the entire New Orleans Saints franchise. I get in 16, 17, 18, and I know people are pointing to, oh, they should have drafted Lamar Jackson instead of Marcus Davenport. A hindsight is 2020. Sure. B Lamar Jackson is not Sean Payton's type of quarterback. Right. So I understand that move, but there were other moves that they could have made uh, you know, in the subsequent years to try to get somebody in, uh, you know, for to to. If so, Drew could mentor, uh, you know, in those couple of years. Uh, and a lot of people believe that that's one of the main reasons why Sean decided to resign, retire when he did was because he saw some dark days coming yes. by his own doing. Yes. And, you know, you it, it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it makes a lot of sense when you twist it that way.
1: It it does. Nobody wants the the coach that comes after you to do better than you did. It kind of mm-hmm. takes away some of your market value. I look, I can see that as plain as day. I really can, and I just uh, I don't understand how those in the front office didn't uh, raise a. Re- I know they tried to get Marcus Mario, I mean, um, um, oh, what's his name for the Chiefs? Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. My gosh, um, I know they tried. Uh, but man, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta keep trying. You gotta get somebody. Y- you have left the cupboard completely bare, and I'm, I'm with you. Conspiracy theories to the moon. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah,
4: and what's most baffling is you, know, you bring up the Mahomes situation, and it's well documented. With every other position and every other player that Peyton has drafted in the first round, when they made moves. He has come out and you know, been very vocal about the fact, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, other people might have felt it was a reach, or yeah, he might you know this it, player X might have been there if we sat at at our original draft spot. But we found who we wanted and we wanted to be aggressive and go getting him. Why didn't you do that with Patrick Mahomes or any other quarterback right. for that matter? Right. But that, uh, that part baffles me.
1: And that's why I say it's the biggest mistake. It's the it's the the mark on the resume that I can't can't figure out and i can't understand but it goes on um the perception of dennis allen defense first it's like the old nick saban when he was at lsu defense first good kicking game offense quarterback don't screw it up um i don't know if that's an attractive destination for maybe i'm wrong that's the that's the impression i get maybe that's not an attractive destination for a quarterback such as a Derek Carr, who wants to throw the ball down the field and do those kind of things, am I wrong there?
4: Uh, no, I don't think you are. Uh, and I mean, if you're a quarterback, uh, put yourself in that position and how you know, how would you feel? Uh, you know, I, I know I'd want to throw the ball all over the. I mean, you know, it, option A, I want to win first, uh, but right. there's all kinds of ways that you can win. Uh, you know, so if I'm Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, any other free agents that the Saints might potentially pursue. Uh, you know, when I'm meeting with Dennis Allen, I'm going to be asking Dennis Allen as many questions as he's going to be asking me, uh, you know, about what kind of offense do you want to run? Uh, you know, is it going to be different from the offense that we've seen, you know, that we saw you run last year? Uh, you know, a very buttoned down conservative approach, because if so, I would think that to a guy like Derek I mean, Garoppolo is used to playing in that kind of system. Car is not. So, uh, you you would think that that would be a big mark against the saints as far as being a destination
1: how short of a leash does dennis, dennis allen have what what does he have to do to retain his job after next season in your opinion to
4: me he he should have to uh, you know make at least a playoff run uh, and, and a serious, uh, yeah, a serious run for the NFC South title, based off of the other teams that we know what they have right now. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, if this team is again mediocre or worse, uh, yeah, then the, the the franchise Mickey Loomis, Gail Benson, they'd be absolute fools to retain him, because if you're Dennis Allen, you sit in that, you know you go into the you know, the meeting with you know, ownership and Mickey Loomis after the year and say, yeah, look. I know things didn't work out the way we'd hope, the way we'd maybe planned. Uh, but if you let me bring in my own guys, uh, you know, let me let me approach it with my guys rather than Sean's guys, I think that things will be different. Well, the organization let him do that. Uh, you know, and all the coaching moves so far, all of them. Without exception, have had ties to Dennis Allen. Now they're pursuing a quarterback that Dennis Allen drafted. Uh, you know, Dennis Allen is going into his second draft as you know the man in charge of the players being brought in. His second free agency, the same way. So I, I think that this is also the Saints organization telling us, and probably Dennis Allen, uh, yeah, we'll get, yeah, we'll we'll let you have your guys. You got one shot. That's yeah. the way I see it.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I agree 100%. The sod father said that the uh, the Super Bowl field was over watered in the days leading up to uh, Super Bowl uh, 57 in Glendale, Arizona. You know, that's that where they, they take the field and it's outside, right? And then they mm-hmm. do things. And then four days before they played the game or three days, they roll that thing on into the field and it looks all beautiful, but people couldn't stand up. That's crazy.
4: Yeah, I don't. I don't remember a Super Bowl watching a Super Bowl with such poor footing. Uh, you know, Indianapolis versus you know, the Saints in Miami. Yeah, uh, you know, that might come close because all kinds of players on both sides were having you know, serious problems with their footing. But even when the bear uh, when the Bears lost to the Colts a couple years before, also in Miami, I believe. Yeah, uh, you know, during that rainstorm, the footing wasn't that bad. So, yeah. Uh, you know, when you're when you're talking about a game on the biggest stage
3: yeah.
4: uh everything better be perfect everything it, and yeah you know, the 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 footing luckily I don't think it took away from the game right. or had a major impact in the results yeah uh, but it, it 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 caused it caused an awful lot of issues for both teams uh early on in the game there no doubt
1: about it George toma is the sod father he's 94 years old he's the longtime groundskeeper who prepared and then advised the preparation of every Super Bowl field said uh, the field should have been watered in the morning on that Wednesday morning and kept outside to dry before being rolled in. They watered it. They rolled it right in. And there's no sunlight. What do you expect the field to be like, right? I mean, that's that's just common common sense gets in the way of so many things. Uh, just We don't have to worry about that in the Superdome, right? So we're good. We're, we're good there. We just got to get a quarterback. Come on, Bob. Who's it going to be?
4: My prediction. Uh, my prediction is that they'll go out. And they'll end up with one of the second-tier guys. Yeah, you know, Mayfield, Bridgewater, somebody like that. Uh, and they'll draft one in the first. Uh, I would like to. I, I like Derek Carr. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I don't think the Saints are going to be able to put together the finances and the kind of package that's going to be attractive for either a car or Garoppolo to come in. So I think they're going to go to plan B and end up drafting one, which, frankly, if as long as they hit on that draft pick, is going to be the best answer for this team long-term anyway.
1: Is Teddy Bridgewater, Baker Mayfield better than Andy Dalton?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think at this point in their career, I do, I, I do believe so. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know Bridgewater knows the system just like Dalton. Uh, you know, Mayfield gives you more athletic options. You can run those half roll and bootleg plays. Uh, you know, that you can't, really, that you couldn't run with uh, uh, with Andy Dalton, uh, and the same with Mariota. Uh, you know, I do think that it'll ultimately be an athletic guy uh, that they bring in. Uh, you know, Mayfield, Brissett, Mariota, you know, one of those guys, uh, but it's just going to be a bridge starter. Uh, I, I think ultimately this team ends up drafting one.
1: Do you think, uh, Jameis Winston's done as a quarterback, a, a starting quarterback? Is he going to be a backup quarterback the rest of his career, if at all?
4: I hope not, Jordy, because I'm rooting for Jameis. He's a hard kid not to root for. Uh, he just has a great attitude, great work ethic. Uh, I don't think he starts anywhere in 2023, uh, you know, I think Jameis Winston will end up catching on with the team. I mean, you know, his, his physical ability is too good not to. Uh, but remember a couple of decades ago, everybody thought that Vinny Testaverde, another highly regarded quarterback coming out of college, everybody thought that he was done. He ended up landing a backup role. Uh, you, uh, the the starter, uh, starter went down. Testaverde ended up taking the Jets to the AFC championship yeah. game. You could see that kind of thing play out with Jameis Winston, or look what happened even as recently as Geno Smith last year. Jameis Winston has the capability, I think, to still be a quality starter in the NFL, but it's not going to be in 2023. He's going to need some luck to tumble his way now.
1: Saints had the 29th pick in the first round, thanks to um, um, the Sean Payton going to Denver thing. How high do you think they would have to move up to get a decent quarterback because you know Bryce Young's going, you know, CJ Stroud's going to be gone, you know, Will Levis is going to be gone. Uh, Anthony Richardson, is he the type of quarterback you want to? With the, I mean, I, what, what do you do with the Saints? How high do you move up to be able to have a quarterback that you like?
4: Uh, would I like to see Anthony Richardson in the Saints uniform? No. Okay. Uh, but if the Saints do, and they're the ones that are making those decisions, right. you're going to have to move into the top 10, uh, I, I believe. And you said it about a month or so ago, Seattle at number five and Detroit at number six. There are a couple of teams because they each have two first round picks. Right. There are a couple of teams to watch if you're the New Orleans Saints and you're sitting at that back half, uh, you know, uh, the uh, – to to try to move into the top 10. And I think if you move to five or six where Seattle and Detroit are, you do have a shot at maybe even a Will Levis or a C.J. Stroud if they tumble a little bit. If not, then if they identify Anthony Richardson as a guy that they want, that's where they're going to have to
1: move to get him. People are going to laugh at me. I like Will Levis. I think he's a Josh Allen type in the fact that he played at Kentucky. They don't have they don't have Alabama talent. They don't have right. those skilled people like Alabama has. They don't have that offensive line like Alabama has. He's got an arm. Uh, he he's running for his life. back. I think you put him with in, with NFL talent. I think Will Levis is going to be a good player. Mark my word. Mark my hey, word, Bob Rose.
4: You know, I think Levis does have the talent to make it work. To to make a good career in the right system. Uh, the film that I've seen on him so far. Uh, yeah, I'm not impressed at his ability to read defenses, uh, believe it or not. And you know, I'm a hand and hooker guy. I rank hooker above both Levis and Richardson. Uh, and I put right. Levis at fourth. I see what people like about him. I see what you like about him. He's a fire. He's a fiery competitor. Uh, you know, it looks like he has leadership qualities. Has yeah. all the physical ability that yeah. you want. I think Josh Allen uh, is a very fair comparison for both Levis and Richardson. Uh, you know, if you remember how raw Allen was coming out. Yeah. But again, going back to what you uh, you asked in the first segment, do the Saints have the coaches to develop a Will Levis? Do the Good Saints point. have the coaches to develop Anthony Anthony Richardson? For any rookie, for that matter, that's going to be the, that's going to be the the billion dollar question going All right, forward. Bob
1: Rose, get your spies out there to Indianapolis and, uh, and and let's see what the Saints are saying to Derek Derek Carr this week. But I appreciate the time as always, man. Get well and thank you so much.
4: Anytime, my friend. Have a great week.
1: All right, we're back to wrap things up after this final time out. Stay with us.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Red Bird Ministries and sponsored by courtesy of Brobridge. Hit the links at Farm to Alley while supporting a great cause. All proceeds from the tournament will go towards Red Bird Ministries' mission of serving families who've been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game and courtesy break. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together we can make a difference.
0: He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look malice. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we are back at 54 minutes after the hour time to uh, wrap this bad boy up. LSU baseball on the game tonight. 5-6-30, first pitch uh, as LSU takes on the uh, Texas Longhorns up there in Austin, uh, where they are 17-2-1. The Longhorns are against LSU in baseball all time. They have dominated uh, LSU. Two really good baseball programs should be a – great game in front of a packed house anytime the the number one team in the country and it happens to be lsu goes into austin and to texas it's a big deal so we'll see how this lsu team holds up still no announcement on who is pitching for lsu jay johnson has kept that close to the vest and we'll see what happens uh coming up tonight special thanks to our guest ali cassell Pelicans are free-falling. Next up for them, they got to go play at Portland tomorrow, a team they lead by just one hun- one-hundredth of a percentage point for the 10th and final spot in the playoffs. So so good luck on that one. Uh, bad loss last night to the Orlando Magic. God, bad loss. They just can't shoot. They don't get off to a good start. They've played from behind all game long. Man, that wears on you. We talk with Jeff Howe of 247 Sports for the Longhorns of Austin. We got a preview of that. And, of course, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Um, Still a conundrum. Derek Carr meeting at the NFL Combine with the Saints, the Jets, and now the Carolina Panthers. So we shall see. Come on back tomorrow. Uh, By the way, if today, February 28th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with the great Luka Doncic, who's only 24 years old. Holy cow, what a player at 24. James Mesh, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening in it, whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Come on back tomorrow, same time, two to four, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be let's be uh, kind to one another. And why not? be happy chuck wood retiring from the game brought sports radio to acadiana had his ninth hole in one of his career today that's the way to get your retirement started in the in the best of ways doing what you love and having success at it thank you chuck for giving me a start here it's been 11 really glorious years we came in together i'm gonna outlast you though i'm gonna keep on keeping on Uh, But thank you for everything. Enjoy every minute of your retirement, my friend. Um, So that's going to wrap it up. Up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Enjoy it, and we'll see you tomorrow.